When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins. on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. The Oilers, fate lies in the hands of Cam Talbot. Johnny Gaudreau will try to keep the Flames alive. He's 0 for 2 in the shootout this year. In over the line. Left-handed shot. Talbot needs a save. Gaudreau, backhander, and he gets it. Cam Talbot makes the save. And the Edmonton Oilers find a way beyond regulation again. This time in a shootout. Oilers 2, Flames 1. Ladies and gentlemen, that's your final. There's the call from Jack Michaels as the Oilers improve to 3-0 against the Flames this season. Cam Talbot's save of the game gets us going tonight. The save of the game for Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. 2-1, the Oilers win in a shootout. A scrambly, tight checking game for most of the night. A 3-on-3 overtime controlled by the Oilers. The shots were 6-0, though Johnny Goudreau did hit the post with 23 seconds left. At the other end, Patrick Maroon denied by Brian Elliott with two seconds left in the three-on-three session. Are you enjoying the tension of the Oilers' season? 11 of their last 20 games have been tied after 60 minutes. 11 of the last 20 tied after 60 minutes. In the shootout, it was Dreisaitl and Letestu scoring for the Oilers while Talbot stopped Monaghan and Goudreau. Mark Letestu, by the way, now up to 15 for 33 career in shootouts, 45.5%. He's 4 for 6 this season. 780-496-0063 is how you reach us. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Parandish Team Broadcast Center. I'm Reed Wilkins, joined by former NHLer Rob Brown. Well, Rob, I'm now going to recap all the scoring opportunities in the first two periods. Do you have enough time? Okay, now that that's done... <laughs> Uh, man, w- what a game tonight. Um, it was, <laughs> the shots were, halfway through the game, the shots were 8-7 Calgary. I mean, what was going on out there? <laughs> Not a whole lot, actually. It, uh, it It's strange, because I thought that both teams, after coming off of uh, trap-type games against the New Jersey Devils, where there wasn't a whole lot going on, I thought they'd come out here firing. I thought both teams would start tra- tra- trading chances. thought there'd be some offensive things going back and forth. I mean, if you look at the, the, the skill level of some of the players on the on these two teams, these young players that have come into the league, but you didn't see a whole lot through the first 40 minutes. Third period, all of a sudden, Calgary ramped it up a little bit and, and created some opportunities. But if, if you want to look at missed opportunity tonight, the Calgary Flames have a three-on-one, and Dougie Hamilton behind the plate takes a stupid penalty against Leon Dreisaitl. The, the Flames, in a tie game, have a three-on-one and it, it's nullified because Hamilton takes a dumb penalty. You go into overtime, the Oilers got some great opportunities in overtime on bad line changes, which is something that we've seen reoccurring over the last couple of games when it gets to OT. Uh, this game was a good game for the Oilers standing-wise. I don't think it is going to leave the coaching staff uh, f- fulfilled at what they wanted to see tonight. But the big part is they got the two points against a team that's chasing them in the standings. 2-1 in a shootout. The Oilers win it. So Edmonton now 23-15-7 on the season. They remain third of the Pacific Division. They're four points ahead of Calgary. Two goals for the Oilers tonight means a $50 donation courtesy of Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world, going to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. They give 25 bucks for every goal throughout the season, and you can track the total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. It's 11.28. Thanks for staying up with us. 780-496-0063. We have Kent to open up the calls tonight. Hello, Kent. Hi. Um, I just want to start by saying I've been listening to Edmonton Sports Radio since the early 80s, back when uh, a fellow uh, named John used to run the uh, the radio shows and listen to Rod Phillips for years and years, and I think you guys are doing an awesome job. I love Jack. I love what he brings. Um, and I really love the quality of the uh, of the show after the games. It's great. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate that. 
Um, I'm I, I, what I see from this team now. I don't think it's a playoff team. Like, and it's kind of disappointing because I think there's the talent there, but there's just something missing for me, and it, it boils down somehow to the second line. And also, you know, we we talk about Pouliot and RNH and Ebbs and them trying. You can see Ebbs struggling, but just not quite making it. And I think they're brokenhearted, you know. Hall was their heart. And when Shirelli traded him, he kind of took a step on those guys and on their pride. And they're fighting it best they can, but it's going to be a struggle for them to come back to be the players that we know they can be. Yeah, well, that's thanks, Kent. I, I, obviously, the, the depth scoring is, is a big concern. You're right. In terms of the Oilers not being a playoff team, I, I mean, look, I, I didn't pick them to make the playoffs at the start of the season, but they, but they keep hanging around. Now, they, they're playing a lot of these games, that are, are teetering. I mean, they could go either way. I, I said off the top of the show, they've gone to overtime 11 of their last 20, uh, which is a which is a pretty incredible stat. Um, Rob, I mean, I, I think Kent makes a fair point. What if the secondary scoring never comes around? It has been there from some unlikely sources at times, and even Maroon falls into that category. Uh, the advantage is they're six points ahead of the Nashville Predators who are the best non-playoff team right now? Well, there's a whole bunch of teams that are that are very similar in the National Hockey League. If you go around the league, there's a ton of teams who have players who are good hockey players that are struggling. There's very few teams in the NHL that have two scoring lines. Um, the Oilers are, are a team that have got a very good first line. they got a very good power play and good goaltending. They don't give a whole lot up the other way. I have to disagree with the caller. They right now, the, what they've shown on the ice shows they are a playoff team. I mean, they're they're six points, three games, three wins out of the conference lead. They're ahead of very good teams like San Jose, L.A., Nashville, Dallas. They're ahead of them in the standing. It's not it, they're not getting outplayed in winning hockey games. Every game that they play, they're in. I mean, yes, it bounce one way or the other. Maybe it goes the, for the other team. But they're giving themselves a chance to win. So, I, to me, they are. I, I and I picked them to be a non-playoff team. I didn't think they'd make it this year, but they are playing well enough to put themselves in a position to be a playoff team. As for Taylor Hall being traded, and it's affecting Nugent Hopkins and Everly. Every team has players that get traded. Every team has every player has a buddy who at some point gets traded. And that's part of hockey. That's part of business. Yeah, you don't like seeing a buddy go. Uh, if you're a professional, you get through it. And I and I have, I do not believe at all that Taylor Hall being traded has affected Ryan Nugent Hopkins or Jordan Eberle. Uh, I I think that some players have tough seasons, and right now those two are having tough seasons. I believe they're capable of getting through this, and I I, I like what we saw out of Eberly tonight. There was two or three great scoring chances. There was a great play defensively late in the hockey game that stopped a scoring chance. Pouliot, as of late, has been much better than he was earlier in the season, although I think eventually you're going to see Pouliot and Lucic flip-flop. Lucic will be back up on the second line. So this team will get secondary scoring eventually, but if you look around the league, there's not a lot of teams that you can say on any given that you know this team's got two t- two lines that we got to watch out for. Most teams are most teams are top heavy, as the Oilers are. Oilers take it two one in a shootout tonight over the Calgary Flames. Plenty more to get to. You're going to hear from uh, Patrick Maroon. We got Terrence next up on the phone lines, but let's go downstairs. Oilers head coach Todd McClellan for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine parts and wholesale prices. You can actually hear us. Yeah. Don't Um, mind it. Not a lot of shots through the first maybe 30 minutes or so. How did you read kind of the way that game went in the early going? Actually, I thought it was that way the whole night it was tight checking uh very much playoff like that's what it felt um very little space on the ice for both teams um you really had to work hard to make the other team air on both sides and then the goaltenders played real well i thought it was uh 
you know, a little bit different than some of the games we played lately um, against Jersey and and uh, maybe in Ottawa. But uh, um, it's nice to win a different type of game. Yeah, but because of what you speak of, players were even not that interested in putting the glove in the face or getting too physical. It seemed like guys didn't even really want to take a penalty or be the guy who made the mistake. Is that fair? Well, I agree and disagree. I think the discipline part I do, but I thought it was real competitive um, at our level for body position, uh, the two or three stride races, getting inside, uh, the play around the net and the loose pucks. Uh, there was a lot of physicality that way. Uh, it wasn't your traditional uh, rock'em, sock'em that way, but um, it was uh, it was a competitive hard night. I think both teams will be tired after that one. When uh, Cam makes a save like that early on, Monaghan, what does that do for the, the rest of the group? Uh, well, just it keeps us in it, and that's what he's done for us since he got here, and uh, more importantly this year. Um, he's a... You know, again, I'll throw out all those cliches. He's a big part of it, but um, he played well. And, and in this type of game for both goaltenders, it was hard because sometimes there isn't a lot of shots, and then all of a sudden, bang, there's something coming at you. So uh, give him credit for sticking with it and uh, allowing us an opportunity to, to win a game. Putting some wins up on home ice. I mean, this group maybe needs to feel better at home. Well, we've, you know, we'll finish this homestand um, next week at this time, after we, we uh, or Friday after we play. We'll be heading out on the road. I think we play 12 of 16. So it's how important this stand is right now to try and bank some points uh, because we know what's coming up will be uh, very tough. Milan Lucic, no goals in 10, no penalties in 18 games, but the cameras caught him showing some frustration as he came back to the bench. Are you seeing a... Does that concern you at all? That he's frustrated? No, because he's... Uh, you know, I don't think he's frustrated about the points or the, the penalties or anything like that. It could be an individual play. Um, um, all players go through it, and um, if Milan's going through it right now and there's a little bit of frustration, uh, that's fine. We'll help, him, uh, we'll help him get on the scoreboard, but I thought he did a good job of checking tonight, and that line was effective. You were able to win a game without a big minute-munching defenseman like Larson in the lineup. Some other guys took a lot of minutes. Is that a good sign? Uh, I believe it is. Um, you know, we'd love to have Larson and Darnell back right now and, and in the lineup. We just feel like we're better. But uh, I thought Grives and Davey answered the bell tonight. They uh, uh, Both of their games prior to tonight, they probably weren't as polished as they'd like to be. But uh, tonight they gave us real good minutes. Well, playing without Adam Larson, our adjustment of the game for the Oilers brought to you by Alberta's Chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better with help from your chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. The Oilers do win 2-1 in a shootout over the Flames. From what we've seen from Adam Larson this year, Rob Brown, I think this is exactly the type of game he would have loved to play in. Yeah, I mean, he, he excels in, in low-scoring games that are, I mean, Bob talked about the fact that it there wasn't a lot of physicality, there was not a lot of um, tenacity, meanness, nastiness. Well, Larson brings that on his own, just the way he plays. To me, he's not exactly like, but I played against Darian Hatcher. Darian Hatcher is when you went into a corner with Darian Hatcher, you knew because he just swallowed you up and, and pancaked you into the corner. And Larson plays a little bit like that without the real nastiness that Hatcher had. But you, when you go into the corner, you pay a price. And he, he, he takes up so much space in the defensive zone. He stops the cycle. And he also is very good when it comes to the offensive way, the outlet pass, getting the puck out of his end. The Oilers certainly missed him tonight. Uh, there, there's a big difference between a, a Larson and a Griba. But injuries are part of the game, and you have to have depth. And the one thing the Oilers have better this year than they have at any time in the last decade is they have much better depth, players that can step in and play when someone goes down. 2-1, the Oilers take it in a shootout, 780-496-0063. We'll say good evening to Terrence. Hi, Terrence. Hi. Um, kind of on a side note from the game, the recent call-up with Laurent Brassois, do you see him like staying up in the big league this time around, or is it just a temporary move like in time past? Honestly, I have no idea. I, I think that part of it will be what, what he does when he gets his opportunity. I imagine that next weekend when the Oilers go back-to-back again, Brassois will play one of those two games, and it'll be an opportunity to see if he's ready to take that step again. It's been a roller coaster year for him in the minors. I don't think he's played to his capabilities on the consistency that he wants. 
Having said that, he's got an opportunity here because the player before him, Gustafson, failed. So he's going to get a chance, and how he plays will probably dictate what the Oilers do going forward. You know, like when they put him in recently, like in the last year and the year before that, I think he got a few games in. I thought he played pretty well, and they, from what I've seen with him down in the AHL, he seemed to be doing fairly good down there. Yeah, well, I, I know from uh, talking to people who, to see the AHL games lately, Terrence, he's just been kind of okay, probably better earlier in the season. He played uh, five, uh, he had five appearances for the Oilers last year, didn't get a win. I, I thought he was a little up and down, and he played the previous year one game, and you probably remember that one, against Todd McClellan Sharks, and he faced almost 50 shots and nearly stole it, but the Sharks got a couple goals in the, in the last three minutes. I, I mean, clearly... I mean, Rob Flato used the word. Gustafson basically failed. So I don't think the Oilers have a lot of faith in him. Brassois will get the chance. But, I mean, everybody questioning Cam Talbot handling the workload. So far, so good with him. But we're going to find out. He's the guy, and there's nobody coming in that's going to give him three nights off out of every ten. He's going to get one night off out of every ten games. Thanks, Terrence. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. No Japanese Village goal light tonight, man. We're under a bit of a drought with that one. Haven't had one in over a month since the Oilers lost six five to Philly. When the Oilers do score five or more in a game, we turn that on on the Oilers page on six thirty ched dot com, and then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village, South Side, North Side, and there's one about three blocks from where we're currently sitting, though a little lower down. We'd have to go down to street. We're about four blocks in the air. Then once we're down, we can walk three blocks to Japanese. Yeah, we're, we're four, we're pretty, we're four we're Vegas blocks in the air right up. now. Pretty, somebody at, at the game on Thursday, somebody tweeted a picture of Patrick Maroon or something, and I was like, oh, now do me and Rob. And they just had like this really far away <laughs> shot of like this blurry press box where, where we're camped out. It is a pretty good place to watch a game, but we're, we're a long way from the ice. Oilers beat the Flames 2-1 in a shootout. We'll go to Aaron on the phone line. Hello, Aaron. How's it going? Hello. Hello, Aaron. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks for taking my call, guys. Um, we were at the game, so uh, sorry. my boy. I've kind of lost my voice from uh, cheering, but uh, just wanted to uh, see what you guys' thoughts were on Lucic. Um I mean, just I, I, I just don't understand why he's not at least finishing, like, his checks, like bone-crushing checks. I mean, I don't expect him to fight like he did in Boston when he was younger, but, I mean, he's still not over 30 yet, and I just, you know, I just like to see him, you know, deliver some incredible checks and have an incredible physical, you know, presence out there, so... Just well, I mean, to see, is, is he secretly hurt, or what's going on with well, him? I, I don't think he's hurt, um, or we haven't heard anything. He, he looks frustrated, as one of the, the callers said earlier. You could see him on the, the bench, and you could see him on the TV. He, he looks frustrated, and I'm sure part of it is things are not going as well as he wants right now. As far as the physicality, throwing the bone-crushing check is usually when some defensive player puts himself in a bad position. And if you, he can't go in and run somebody if the guy doesn't have the puck. So he's got to put himself in a good forechecking role. And tonight, this just wasn't a physical game by either team. Both teams were very good at moving the puck out of trouble quickly. There, there weren't a lot of long forechecking shifts offensively for either team. It was kind of, especially for the first 40 minutes, very humdrum type of, of hockey game. The, for, to get at the big hit, someone is, usually has to throw the puck in a corner, get the defenseman turned the wrong way, and then that guy going on that wing can go in and throw the big hit. So your teammates have to help you get the big hit. Um, I'm sure that we would all love to see a very physical Milan Lucic, but I don't think he's turning away from opportunities. And maybe there's probably s- some opportunities that he could create himself and hasn't. Uh, to me, he just looked a little frustrated in the way the game went tonight for himself. But I, I, I don't think Milan is doing anything a whole lot different than he's done in the past with his other teams. Cam Talbot, the winning goaltender for the Oilers. He's the first star. Patrick Maroon is your second star. And Sean Monahan, the third star. So the winning goalie and the two goal scorers in regulation time get your stars. Brian Elliott also had a pretty good game in net for Calgary. Here he is, courtesy of Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. We provide solutions. Uh, just got off the ice here. Um, yeah. I mean, 
I think we played a, a, a really good game systematically, I think, and uh, it forces you to play that when you're playing back-to-back and you guys are a little tired, and I thought we played really smart, and I think uh, we'll... We'll do well if we play like that uh, consistently. So um, it's a big game for us. Uh, I came out of here with one point. Uh, so you got to look at uh, the positive and, um, you know, look at this game, uh, you know, that the way we play and, and the chances we get um, when we play the right way. It's, uh, uh, I think, in the long run, that's that's the way we uh, we want it. I know it's all pretty hard to digest at this point, but that overtime period, you have to feel pretty confident about the way you played in the overtime period. Uh, I mean, it seems to be who wins the draw, who gets possession. Um, and then, you know, and you don't know if you're getting another whistle for a while. Um, so we uh, we managed to win a couple, but uh, they got a couple off the bat and, um, you know, had some zone time on us. So uh, we did a good job boxing out and, and guys staying on, uh, guys like McDavid that can wind it up pretty good. So, um, you know, we, we got out of there unscathed, but, you know, I, I couldn't come up with uh, a save in the shootout and we, we couldn't get a goal either. So Was it uh, a chess match? The first two periods. Read the Brian Elliott. All right, thanks a lot, Kyle Morris, working the visitors' dressing room for us tonight. The three-on-three overtime is interesting. I actually saw on Twitter a couple people complaining about it because it's become such. I, I mean, I think it was conceived to be uh, end-to-end, two-on-one breakaway, but it's become, as you've alluded to, Rob, like circle back. The Flames pass back to their goalie today. It's almost become it, it, to use a basketball term. It, the mentality is almost don't shoot unless you have a layup. Well, you, you can't because it, you, you, if you're not going to score and aren't are sure you're not going to score, then you better let's regroup again because what we saw early is a team would take the shot, the save would be kicked out, and it's two-on-one back the other way. And goalies and you would lose. drop in the pocket. And, no, you don't see they, that anymore. No, yeah. and, and kicking it up or shooting it up right away. Uh, you're getting chances, as we're seeing. But as we, you and I talked about this about – Two months ago, someone called and they they complained that Mark Letestu was on the ice in overtime. And they for lost a the mini. Yeah, and, and and we said, well, the importance of the faceoff. You cannot over overestimate. Like you have to win the draw, and we've seen that as of late. That when the Oilers win the faceoff, they have the puck for two, three minutes at a time, and they take their time, take their time, and. When you have the puck on your stick, the other team cannot change, too. That's one. another reason you see the players, they go in the offensive zone. If they don't like what they see, they come out. Then one or two of their team will change. The other team can't change because it's a long change this year. Mm-hmm. When they do, that's when you attack. We saw it the other night. Dry settle scoring in overtime. Bad change in that game. And then tonight, twice the Calgary Flames made changes because they were exhausted. Both times, the Oilers are waiting. They're going back. They're waiting. Okay, that guy's running, going to the bench now. Now take off. Everly gets a breakaway on one. They get a two-on-one on another. So the Oilers are very smart, and it all starts with winning the faceoff. All right, the Oilers take it 2-1 in a shootout over the Calgary Flames. Most of the action in the last 25 minutes of this one. We have Miles, Brett, and Colin standing by on the phone line. You'll hear from Patrick Maroon, who scored again. He has 10 in his last 12. It's Canadian Brewhouse. overtime open line. By the Canadian Brew House from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. The cleft ball, threw it across, Nugent Hopkins clutches the puck, goal line, Maroon, shot deflected, rebound, Maroon scores! And Edmonton takes a 1 0 lead. Patrick Maroon with his 10th in 12 games and his 18th on the year. 1 0 Oilers in the Battle of Alberta. Maroon just amazing. He got the Oilers' only goal in regulation time. They go on to defeat the Calgary Flames 2-1 in a shootout. Maroon's career high before this season was 12. He's left that in the dust with 18. And here's Maroon for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine parts at wholesale prices. Uh, just how the neutral zone was clogged up and no one can get anywhere. And, and that's how games are going to be the last two months. And we got to find ways to play, find ways to play through it and battle. Just jumped in a little late here, Patty. Just uh, you're talking about being a playoff atmosphere. I just maybe explain that a little more. Yeah, just like in general, you know, guys were amped up for it. Uh, when I say playoff, it was more like a neutral zone. It was really clogged up tonight. Uh, that's more like playoffs. You know, you're not going to really get much. You're going to get the chances that 
teams that break down and you know like you like you said we had, if they broke down in the power play we got an ugly goal in the paint and you know a couple bad bounces on their goal I mean that's how games are going to be played this last two months and this is fun this is exciting for us and we got to find ways to keep playing like that maybe it wasn't as chippy as some people were accept or expecting maybe from from people watching what, what was it like out there was it chippy at all no it wasn't I think it was like I said it was a good game when news was almost clogged up and both teams played really hard and uh, we got the two points. And you scored another goal, and then there in overtime, you almost had another one, and that must have been a little killer not seeing that one yeah, go in. Yeah, it. it was a killer that wasn't going, but Connor made a good play. i got to start making those go in. i got to start making those count. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Read that's Patrick Maroon. All right, Brendan Ulrich working the Oilers' room tonight. Patrick Maroon, an incredible story. Just gets down low, finds the puck, and gets it to go in, and he did that again tonight. Thanks for joining us, 780-496-0063. Rob Brown is here. I'm Reed Wilkins, and now we have Miles joining the show. Hello, Miles. Hi, guys. How are you doing tonight? Very good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Uh, we talked the other night about the power play, and, and again, it didn't change tonight, but uh, I thought Oscar <clears throat> played his best game of the year tonight. He looked Awesome. He was everywhere. He did everything. Well, they needed him to step up with Larson not being in the lineup. Uh, 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 Clefbaum, uh, Russell, um, uh, Sacra, they had to be uh, studs on the back end tonight. And they were. They were very good in a, a game that didn't give... There wasn't a whole lot of things going offensively. You did not and could not afford to make a mistake because it could be the one that cost you the hockey game. And yes, Clefbaum was very good tonight. I'm just thinking uh, tomorrow, or not tomorrow night, but next Saturday night is going to be a little bit more physical and might be a little different game. Well, we thought that was going to be tonight, <laughs> and it never came to fruition. Uh, I, I don't. I, I mean, I, I think what we're seeing right now, and it's kind of been alluded to by everyone that's been talking in the dressing rooms, these are two good hockey clubs now, and they know the importance of points. So it used to be you could see a game between these two teams. It could be 6-4 because the, the, the care meter wasn't as strong. But now it's strong because these are points that they need, both teams, to make playoff runs. And they play very sound defensive hockey. They wait for their opportunities. They don't want to take dumb penalties. The one dumb penalty we saw tonight Calgary took that cost them a three-on-one. Both teams were smart that way, so that's probably why a little bit you didn't see the physicality because the importance of the game. Oscar Clefbaum winds up playing 25-45 tonight. Thanks to Miles, we're going to make him our fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. I will say this about the three-on-three. It puts players in unusual and or unfamiliar situations, and as a result, you sometimes see unusual plays. For example, Oscar Clefbaum blindly swinging his stick around, hoping it was going to be in the same path as the puck to prevent Mark Giordano from getting a long breakaway. That was out of fear, and it was all <laughs> hope. He knew that he was not going to catch Giordano. Giordano had a step on him, and Giordano was up to full speed. Clefbaum was in trouble. It was a bad pass. I can't remember which. It might have been Bennett that tried making the pass. If he flips it, or if he lofts it in the air like a, a sandwich in a golf course, and lets Giordano skate into it. It's a breakaway for Giordano, but good on Clefbaum. He didn't quit on it. He knew where the puck might be coming, and he just swung his stick there twice, hoping the puck hit it. He did it and saved a goal-scoring chance one way, and the Oilers actually got control of the puck again and went back in it. That might have been, outside of the Goudreau chance, Calgary's best chance to win it in overtime as the Edmonton Oilers dominated the final five minutes of overtime. The Flames are 23-20-3 now on the season. They're coached by Glenn Gullitson. His comments for Challenge Insurance Group. Challenge creates opportunity. To evaluate this solutions. one, I've been hearing chess match kind of looked like it. Was yeah, there was a feeling out process there in the first couple periods. Um, I thought today was one of the best games we've managed the puck in, uh, in, in, in the season. This is how we're going to have to play if we want to get points in back-to-backs. And um, <clears throat> so at this juncture of the season, the way we played, I think it was an encouraging step for us. Wish we would have got the two, but uh, um, we did a lot of good things. Talk about Elliott's play. I, I mean, in the overtime period, I'm sure he kind of kept huge, you in. Huge saves in the overtime period, which 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 helped us and uh, got us to a shootout, which you guys know is anybody's ball game. Uh, 
<clears throat> but uh, some of the saves he made, especially in that overtime, were, were, were big saves for us. Do you feel like you need maybe some more depth in scoring from your guys, or was tonight just a, maybe an anomaly in that sense? Uh, no, I think for back-to-back, uh, two teams that, if you look at our stats, are pretty equal. I thought we played a really good road game. I wasn't worried about uh, our scoring. We'd like it to be nice and tight. I, too bad we, we got a couple off the post that didn't go for us, and uh, that, that's fine. I thought we had some odd man rushes. We just uh, we didn't get things to go. The, I thought Talbot played well, and that's that's just the, the way it goes. But I, there was lots of good things from our team tonight. And what are the keys in managing Connor McDavid tonight? I know he looked like he did a pretty good job of that. I thought we did a really good job. Uh, you know, we, we just had a game plan to stay above him, and we made a couple little of adjustments and uh, uh, had some guys that made sure that uh, he wasn't winding up with his speed. And and when you put those things together and the guys are aware, they did a really good job. I know there's a long week ahead of you, but just looking ahead to next Saturday's game against the Oilers, what sorts of things that, that can you take away from tonight's game? Well, we're not going to look that far <laughs> ahead, but uh, certainly just... Uh, managing the puck um, that's what we'll take into our next game too is uh, uh, the way we played a real I thought we played a real north south game uh, I don't know what our turnovers should be but they're certainly under in single digits so um, that's the way you have to play this is the way it's going to be here um, for the next 20-25 games in this league and we, we have to embrace that and get good at it I know Sam Bennett took a shot Dougie's shot off his neck is everything okay with him? yeah everything was everything was fine yeah stuff kid all right, so the Oilers beat the Flames 2-1 in a shootout. You hear there from the Flames coach, they, they pretty much played the game they wanted to play other than uh, taking a slap shot that hits one of their own players. And that, I mean, that was, we laugh about it now. That that was a scary play because the guy's right down on the ice. And at first, I, didn't, I was like, did he hit his head? Hit the back of his neck. And when I saw that, then it was even a little more scary because he's got an exposed part of his neck there. He's got, you know, his spine, his vertebrae there, and you got a guy that can shoot the puck 90-some miles an hour. Uh, I've been in that position where you get knocked down in front and you know someone's winding up and you're just hoping he misses. Unfortunately for Bennett, he didn't. The one thing I took out of that conversation, too, is he, they were asked about secondary scoring. And that's something that, I mean, we've, we've talked about it here and we had the callers say, are the Oilers aren't a playoff team because they don't have it. And I just went online. The Oilers are ninth in the NHL in scoring. So there's 30 or 21 other teams that have less goals. So no, that's what when Bob and I were talking before the game, if Nugent Hopkins line does play to their potential, how much further ahead they would be because teams don't have two scoring lines in the National Hockey League or very few teams have that. So the Oilers have the luxury of having guys who have underachieved yet the Oilers are still where they are in the standings. And if those players get to where we need them to be and they hope to be, then the Oilers are just going to be that much better. All right, we got a break for the midnight news. Brett is next up on the phone line. He's coming off the game against New Jersey, in which he had the game winner in overtime to go along with two assists. Left-handed shot in over the blue line. The Oilers beat the Flames 2-1. It's Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Terry Brown Team Broadcast Center. Snapped it right by him. And the Oilers take a 1-0 lead in the shootout. Leon Dreisaitl gets the game-deciding goal. Mark Letestu added another one in the shootout. Cam Talbot stopped both Calgary attempts. Talbot, uh, Talbot very good again for the Oilers. They beat the Flames 2-1 in the shootout to improve to 23-15-7 on the season. I'm Reed Wilkins. Rob Brown is here as well. Thanks for staying up with us. It's 5 after midnight, and we have Brett on the phone line. Hey, Brett, what's up, man? Hey, I was wondering if you, what do you guys think uh, if uh, Davidson's an NHL-ready defenseman or not? Uh, yeah, I, I think he, he proved last year he was. He has not, as Bob Stoffer's talked about, he hasn't looked as good this year, and I think injury and illness have been a big reason for that. But, I, yeah, I believe he's an NHL defenseman. I, I think definitely he can play Brett. Now, the interesting thing for the Oilers is he might wind up being exposed in the expansion draft. And you know, and again, as Rob alluded to, a little bit because of Davidson's bad luck with the injuries and the illness, I, I flat out think Matthew Benning has jumped ahead of Brandon Davidson. Brett, I don't know what you think, but that's where I'd be at with that. Yeah, I think so too. I, I don't, I don't know if they're gonna, if Vegas would pick him up or not, but I think Benning has kind of stepped in, so it's, I think that's pretty good for the organization. Well, they, I mean, and here's the thing: Darnell Nurse is out long term, and Adam Larson 
who I, I know he's heavily debated, but I, I think he's been quite good and has done his job. So there's two guys in your top six that are out, and they're able to still play a, a relatively controlled game tonight. I mean, there's always breakdowns and always a little bit of scrambly, but uh, a little bit of scrambly play, but I think they're they're quite a bit better in their own end and way deeper on defense. And that's and Brett, when people ask me on this show or on Inside Sports, what, what, what should the Oilers improve to be a, a, a more bona fide playoff team? I still say you, you could always find more experienced defense. I just I just don't think you could ever have enough D with a few hundred games under their belt that you can just play a responsible, solid game. Yeah, no, I agree. Do you guys think they might uh, try to trade Nuge or Pouliot at the deadline for a defenseman? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think that their contracts hinder any movement with, with, with Nugent Hopkins and with Pouliot. I think Nugent Hopkins at $6 million a year with two or three years left on it is hard to move. I think that Benoit Pouliot with two more years left at $4 million a year, both players underachieving this year. So, no, I don't think either player will be traded. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, and... Shirelli will do something at the deadline. I mean, last year he got Patrick Maroon at the deadline. Uh, Schultz was moved out, obviously, at, at the deadline. Uh, they did something else as well. I can't remember. Oh, Teddy Purcell got traded to the Panthers for, oh, yeah, for draft Florida. picks. Awesome. Okay, yeah. thanks, guys. Okay, thanks, Brett. We appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, we're about six weeks away from the deadline. I, I enjoy this discussion better than <laughs> what are their lottery odds going to be. And, and I, I understand, I totally understand why people are asking. And Rob, do you, <laughs> it's probably is it good that we do the show together for, from this regard because neither you or I are big trade speculation guys because you can talk yourself into a spiral of, mm-hmm. of of doom talking about trade proposals and 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 rumors. But I think you made a good point about the contract, and I know Elliot Friedman referenced on Bob's show last week that the Oilers have had Pouliot's name out there, and, and some and somebody texted me last night on a Friday night on Inside Sports and said. Well, why don't the Oilers trade Pouliot for Halak? And I was like, well, great, but the the New York Islanders don't exist to help the Edmonton Oilers yeah. and take their – and, I mean, I know Halak was on waivers and all that stuff. So I, I, I wonder what Shirelli's going to do, and, and I guess, Rob, maybe we fall back and repeat what we were saying at this time last year, that if a higher-salaried player gets moved out of the Oilers organization, it's, it's probably, again, more of a summer thing. Like, I think – I think this is, at least in terms of the top six up front and the top four on D, this is probably the roster. I agree. I, I think that they will probably find some depth players at the deadline. I I think that my personal opinion that they need some scoring wingers, and uh, the one player I, I talked about was out of Phoenix, um, Verbata. Verbata who we're He's see. a guy whose contract is up that proves that he can score. I think he will be moved at the deadline. He'd be a great pickup, but as much as the Oilers would love to have him, I'm sure there's 17, 18 other playoff-bound teams that are going to want a player of his ilk too. Um, I, I don't. I think whether it is spring, summer, middle of the season, I think Pouliot's deal is too big to move. He's just hasn't had the consistency that you need, especially with two years left at four million. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who I think can find his game and become the player that he wants to be. I don't know if $6 million a year, for, and I don't know what he's got. He's got three years left, I believe. At three years left, that's $18 million someone has to take on and hope that he becomes the player again, that he has been. So I, I think those are two contracts that are going to be very, very hard to move for Peter Shirelli. Oilers 2-1 over the Flames in a shootout. We have Colin on the line, and Colin's going to try to qualify for the grand prize draw, $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. But before we get to finish the play, Colin, give us your comment or your question, man. Um, well, i got two things. Uh, Brett touched on one of them about uh, moving somebody off the second line, but I was thinking more or less for a goalie because at first I was excited about Gustafson, but he hasn't come through. And Laurent Bassois, I don't think he's an NHL goalie. If yeah, he's okay in the minor, uh, like, you got to be good in the minors so, to, to qualify what, for the NHL. What do you want to move to get a goalie? Um, 
somebody off the second line. But you're, so you want to trade a second line player for a backup goaltender that's going to play one every ten games? Uh, yeah, I suppose that's a, that's a good point too. You can't yeah. really. I mean, the, the, this is this here is, is Cam Talbot's team. Oh yeah, Cam absolutely. Talbot's going to play. 65 plus games this year maybe maybe 70 games this year so uh, the only way that a backup goaltender is even talked about in Edmonton is if Cal Talbot gets hurt yeah but so you know you're not going to trade I mean that's why backup goalies usually are guys that you sign in the offseason and you give them the the million dollar the two million dollar contract and he backs up and you, you don't worry about him you don't yeah. trade someone off your roster that's good and contributing for a backup goaltender. The other thing I wanted to ask about, something we haven't talked about for a long time, is Yakupov. Did we ever actually get anything for him? Yeah, there's, oh, I can't remember the guy's name. They got, they got a minor league, like an ECHL player, and they got a draft pick, and then they, they would get a better draft pick if he scores 15 goals. But Which is going to happen. He's, he's not going to. Okay. I, I, I no, believe, so we didn't get anything, really. No, well, it didn't, I, I yeah, believe Neil really. Yakupov will be playing in Russia next year. Oh yeah, I don't think he'll be in the NHL anymore. Yeah, they, they won't chance. even. St. Louis isn't even going to sign him again. Well, he's. I mean, he's, he's barely an playing. Player. He's he, he he sits out just as much as he plays there. He's got, I think, five points on the season or six points on the season. He it, it was uh, it was a bad pick, and Neil Yakupov has never turned out to be what they wanted him to be here or in St. Louis. And I just don't think he'll be in the league next year. Yeah, Colin, and, and look, we don't want to pick on the guy, but, you know, Rob and I get all the center ice channels here in our booth at, at Rogers Place, and when there's a Blues game on and we see Yakupov and he hasn't, it's the same thing. He hasn't, yeah. hasn't learned, doesn't play in the in the system, doesn't take the puck to the net. I mean, it's, it's tough, but it's tough for the Oilers now. It's tough for St. Louis, but no, the Oilers didn't really, unless they draft some guy and four years from now he's the, He's the next, uh, you know, Duncan Keith or all the defensemen that were taken in the second round. But, yeah, it's it's tough there, buddy. Hey, you want to yeah. finish the play? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Okay, go ahead, Kellen. Testu turns, finds the puck. Off to Cassian and then a heavy collision. Cassian, a heavy collision on the far side. All right, Cassian in on the forecheck. So does he hit Giordano or does he hit Goudreau? In on the forecheck. Oh, um, let's go Giordano. Testu turns, finds the puck, off to Cassian, and then a heavy collision. Cassian, a heavy collision on the far side with Mark Giordano. There we go. Good stuff, Colin. You're in the grand prize draw, $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Good call. We still have uh, time for open line, of course, 780-496-0063. I'm going to update the scoreboard in a second, but let's go back downstairs. The Oilers uh, probably, even though they have the leading scorer in the league, probably the team MVP this season. It's goaltender Cam Talbot. It took a little bit to get the offense going in that game. Did you get the sense you were going to have to maybe hold the court down a little bit while they going? Uh, a little bit. I mean, it was a lot more tight checking than the first couple of games. The first couple of games of the season were kind of pond hockey, and that was more of a playoff atmosphere. So uh, we knew neither team was going to budge much, and, uh, you know, we got another greasy one from Patty on the power play, and uh, we battled out from there. Cam, you what's your sense of the, the team when it's in close games? You guys, do you feel like it's a comfortable team when you guys are in a tight one? I think so, yeah. I mean, you can tell with this group we're growing as a team, and these tough games, uh, we believe that we're going to come out on top as opposed to maybe last year where uh, maybe we found ways to lose. This year we're finding ways to win these games, and that's a good character win for us. Did you know you had it going on tonight when you dove across there against Monaghan and robbed them with the glove early in the first? I mean, that always helps for the for the confidence moving forward in the game. You make a big save like that early, and uh, you just kind of build from there. So uh, that was, I think, uh, a big save in the game early. And uh, like I said, we uh, we didn't give them too much after that, and we uh, were able to find a way to win this one tonight. Made another big glove save shortly after on Goudreau there. I think it was Goudreau on a power play there, but you, it was in tight, and you somehow got the glove up. Yeah, I know that they kind of look for the, the high tip there in the slot uh, a little bit, and uh, knew that Goudreau didn't really have a great angle to shoot, so I knew he'd be looking for sticks. He's a pretty shifty and creative player, so uh, just kind of being aware of my threats out there, and luckily I was able to read that one right. And what did you see in the shootout there when you stopped all, all shooters? 
Uh, just try to stay patient. I mean, Monaghan and, and Goudreau, they got some, some silky hands, and they're pretty shifty. So if you, uh, if you bite first, they can make it look pretty silly. So I was just trying to stay patient and make them make the first move and try to stick with them. Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Cam. Free, that's Cam Talbot. All right, Cam Talbot, another good game for the Edmonton Oilers. He makes 24 saves in regulation. And then he makes two stops in a shootout, and that's all the Oilers needed. They win it 2-1. Mark Letestu continues to be a shootout hero for the Edmonton Oilers. You'll get his comments when we get back. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Latestu has been the money man this year. Three of five and for his career, extremely effective in the skills competition. 44%. Picks it up at center. In over the line. Left circle. Rich shot. Beat Brian Elliott. Glove side. And now Cam Talbot needs one save to put this one away. Talbot would make that save, and the Edmonton Oilers edge the Calgary Flames 2-1 in a shootout. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. So Latestu, 4 for 6 this season in the shootout. For his career, he's now 15 for 33 for 45.5%. And Rob, I, I, I hope we're, we're past the point where anybody would question him being in the shootout. But it's, it's, it's fascinating because it's the same move Every time, and his two misses this year were a goalpost and then New Year's Eve against Markstrom, who, who made a good save, mm-hmm. but also if Mark got that an inch and a half higher, it would have been a goal. Well, if it works, don't change it. And it's worked, obviously, for him. You, as a, as a shooter, I always believe if you're on breakaways, have two moves. Just perfect two moves. You, you see kids nowadays, they've got every time they go and they try something different. I believe have two moves, muscle memory, so now you know if he comes out, you deke. If he stays in, you shoot. If you're shooting, hit the same spot. Know where your spot is. He he has that down. He knows where the spot is. He hits it every time. Uh, he, he It's hard for, for a goalie. If a, there's going to be open spots. When you're coming down on a goalie, there's going to be spots. They're not going to be big spots. But if you can hit them, you can score. The problem is it's hard to hit them. Um, Mark Letestu knows where his bread and butter is. I play with a guy in the minors named Brian Wiseman. He had the exact same move as Letestu, except he was a lefty. And he hit it every single time. The goalie knew he was doing that. And if they cheated, then you have the second move that you can deke. If they overcommit, then you deke. Um, when Sam Gagne first started here, he had that one move, his real cool mm-hmm. backhand and flipped. It was really cool. And he scored four or five times in a row. And then he changed and went to something else. And he can never get the, the same kind of uh, puck luck back. So if I'm Mark Letesto, I keep going to the well until someone proves they can stop it. And if I'm Todd McClellan, I keep going to Mark Letesto until someone proves they can stop Mark Letesto. All right, let's head downstairs and hear from number 55. 81 or 78 games that you don't play them? Uh, I mean, a little. Uh, you know, being as who the, who the opponent was. Uh, the stakes and the standings. Uh, and I think you could tell they, they were the same way. It was a really tightly checked game. Uh, chances and shots were at a premium tonight. Uh, there wasn't a lot getting through on either side. Guys were really sacrificing the block shots. Uh, you know, and in the playoffs, we're not going to get the, the opportunity to go to the shootouts. We're going to have to find a way to manufacture some more opportunities around their net and, and score some more goals. But uh, it's a good game for us to push them a little further down tonight. Is careful a good word to describe the first 40 minutes, maybe? Maybe. Uh, boring. Boring, yeah. Uh, <laughs> detailed, I would detailed, say. Detailed, okay. You know, it, it was, like I said, tightly checked. Uh, and when stuff did break down, guys were really desperate to get in lanes and, and limit opportunities. Uh, but, yeah, it, it probably wasn't the greatest game to watch. And it didn't give the, the fans a lot to, to get off their hands or off their seat about. But uh, winning these games, you know, I'd rather win boring than lose exciting. So uh, I'll take these two points. Mm-hmm. Another uh, big shootout goal for you? Yeah. No, I... and. You know, I, I don't usually get a lot of opportunities in uh, in overtime, uh, so I start going through kind of a preparation for the check and sticks, and uh, it was kind of nice to go behind Leon tonight uh, to kind of just watch the goalie and, and see if if there's some holes there. Uh, and Leon obviously scoring takes a lot of pressure off, uh, so it's kind of nice going out there without uh, you know hitting, not hitting lead off. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, breathe that, Mark Latestu. All Mark. right, thanks a lot, Brendan. So Latestu four for six in the shootout this season, and the Oilers outlast. 
the Calgary Flames. Not a lot of action through the first two periods. It was 1-1 after two. I mean, they, they played 65 minutes of hockey. Hang on a second here, Rob. Sorry, guys. I had to sneeze there. Uh, yeah. They played 65 minutes of hockey. It was tied for 64 minutes and, uh, what, 34 seconds? Because the, <laughs> the goals were 26 seconds apart in regulation time. Other action on the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard. Boston beat Philadelphia 6-3. Nashville over Colorado 3-2. The Predators are coming up here on Friday. Montreal over the Rangers 5-4. Toronto gets a 4-2 decision in Ottawa. Detroit knocks off Pittsburgh 6-3. Florida edges Columbus 4-3. Carolina over the Islanders 7-4. Anaheim shuts out Arizona 3-zip. The Coyotes are here Monday. Minnesota had a lead and then hung on 5-4 against Dallas. The Kings beat the Jets 3-2 in overtime. Jets are struggling lately. And St. Louis shuts out San Jose 4-0. So that one helps the Oilers because the Oilers are now second in the Pacific Division. Three points behind Anaheim and one point ahead of the Sharks. Now the thing is the Sharks have two games in hand on the Oilers. The Flames fourth in the division, four back of the Oilers. L.A. is fifth. Five back of the Oilers, Calgary and L.A. are in the wild card playoff spots. It's funny. For for years, the Oilers division was considered a weak division. The Oilers division in the Western Conference now is by far the strongest, as you can tell by who's in the, the, the two wild card spots. It's simple. The way that the teams are bunched up, you just got to keep winning. And that's why it's so important on this homestand for the Oilers to keep putting points in the bank because it... It seems like all the other teams around them are, are, are winning too. And as you get closer to the end of the season, you start playing Western Conference and division teams nightly. So every night one of those teams is going to get two points. And sometimes they, they go the extra point like tonight where Calgary still got a point even though they lost. So the others uh, are a team that we have found that keep it close. They seem to find a way to get the one goal they need in a third period to get them into overtime. And then it's just a matter if they can get that extra point. But keep banking at least one point, hopefully most nights too. And all of a sudden the Edmonton Oilers could be playing in later April this year. All right, that's Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Quick timeout here and then back for some final thoughts. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranish Team Broadcast Center. Great in space for Versteeg, and the crowd thought illegally so. Saucered across to Gaudreau, winds it up, fires, shot tipped. What a save by goaltender Cam Talbot as Monaghan got the tip he wanted it. Back in the first period, glove saved by Cam Talbot. Another strong night in net for him. He makes 24 saves, stops both shootout attempts, and gets his career-high 22nd victory as the Oilers get by the Calgary Flames 2-1 in a shootout. The goals in regulation time, both late in the second period. Maroon from Kajula and Nugent Hopkins. That was his 18th of the season. That was at 16:24 of the second. At 16:50, Monahan is 12th from Goudreau and Hamilton. Calgary 0 for 1 on the power play. The Oilers were 1 for 3. They did have a power play in the last six minutes of regulation time, but could not get the winner. So the Oilers, you know, plug a couple more points into the bank as GM Peter Shirelli has said. They got to keep harvesting points. They get up to 23. 15 and 7 on the season. They're now 2 and 1 halfway through their six game homestand. Next up for the Oilers, Monday night showdown with those pesky Arizona Coyotes who've given the Oilers fits in recent years. That'll be on 6 30, Chad, 5 30 for the faceoff show. The game will start at 7. I want to say thanks to our studio producer back at 6 30, Chad, Kellen Kennedy, our engineer here at Rogers Place, Troy Bowler. More on the Oilers on 630Ched.com. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranish Team Broadcast Center. Oilers take it in a shootout, 2-1 over Calgary. They're 3-0 against the Flames this season. Have a great night.